Welcome to the 13th episode of the High School Business and Personal Finance Teachers Podcast, brought to you by Knowledge Matters. Stay tuned for our interview with Tasha Allred, a teacher at Burlington Central High School in Burlington, Illinois. Tasha has six years of experience in remote teaching and has a lot of tips and suggestions for teachers who are now teaching their students remotely. Stay tuned for the interview. Welcome back to the High School Business and Personal Finance Teachers podcast brought to you by Knowledge Matters. This is the podcast where we talk to high school business, personal finance, and marketing teachers about their teaching careers and tips and tricks they have for teaching business and personal finance to high school students. With the numerous school closings going on across the country to try to stop the spread of COVID-19, many teachers are having to move to remote teaching overnight. Today, we're speaking with Tasha Allred, who teaches at Burlington Central High School in Burlington, Illinois. And Tasha has a lot of experience with remote teaching, and we wanted to get her insight into effective remote teaching and learning. Tasha, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great. Well, first, can you tell us about your path to becoming a teacher? Yeah, so I um, graduated college in 2008 with a degree in business education, and uh, as we all know, it was not a great time to get into teaching or anything, but I was lucky to find a job teaching at a public school in Hawaii, and I taught marketing and accounting and uh, entrepreneurship. Uh, and computers back then. And then after two years of doing that, I had my second child, so I decided I wanted to be home more. So I found a job teaching online. So this was in 2000, it would have been 2011, I believe, or 2012, when I started uh, working for an online school, and it was kind of a fledgling thing at the time. And uh, did that for about six years and then decided to go back into the brick and mortar public classroom. So um, I've been doing that now for two more years. So that's where I'm at now. And so do you remote teach now or or did you um, remote teach back then? So I remote taught at the online school I was at. That was called Williamsburg Learning. Okay. And so... um, and I was a teacher. I taught personal finance and actually filmmaking, photography, and an ACT prep class. Um, and I was also an administrator there. So I did that and then came back to traditional teaching. But I still, because I was online for a majority of my career, I still implement a lot of the same remote learning um opportunities for my students now. So it's it, this whole experience has been actually kind of exciting for me because I kind of get back to being an online teacher, but still have some of the perks of uh, being in a traditional school as well. So I've actually been, I, I thought it's been really fun to go back to online teaching. And, and so what classes do you currently teach? So right now I have uh, Introduction to Business, um, Python programming and uh, web design and personal finance. 
Great. Well, if someone listening hasn't ever taught remotely before the last week or two, uh, given your experience in remote teaching, do you have specific tips that you would offer for successful remote teaching and learning? Yeah, I I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, just like we as teachers were kind of thrown into this, our students were also kind of thrown into this quickly. And one of the things that I really found teaching online um, is that a lot of people struggle with time management and organization in general, and especially our high schoolers who may not have the executive functioning skills to be really successful yet. Um We have to find ways to help them manage their time successfully, especially when they have other temptations like video games or YouTube that will pull them away. So most of my suggestions have to do with helping the students stay focused in in very, very small chunks, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, So one for me definitely that I found is to provide screenshots and if possible screencasts where you actually video yourself with your computer screen for nearly every assignment. So anytime there's instructions, I found that if students don't see visually what they need to do, they will not do it. And a lot of the objective is to help the students feel motivated to do the work when they're on their own. And so um, providing those opportunities helps alleviate a lot of questions from students, but also helps them motivate, feel motivated to do it. Um, I also do that if I get a lot of emailed questions, if I'm getting the same question that usually more than two or three times, I'll just make a screencast where I answer the question and send it out to everyone. That way it's a little proactive because I'm assuming if two students are actually reaching out with a question, I probably have 15 more that have the question but aren't going to ask. And so as much as possible, maintaining that personal relationship through the videos, um, through the screenshots, any way you can do that, I found to be incredibly helpful. And so, and so when you're talking about the videos and showing the screenshots and showing them exactly the work that they need to do, it, I'm assuming from the way that you're describing that that is a video file that's, that's there for them to go back and look at over and over again, as opposed to like a live kind of conversation via a Google or, I mean, a, via like a Zoom or a Google Hangout. Yeah, for sure. So it would be a video file. I usually store them like in a Google Drive or make a YouTube channel or something where you can upload them. And I'll even make like a page. So we use that LMS called Canvas. So mm-hmm. I'll make a Canvas page with um, a bullet point with a bunch of screencasts. And so then if I have a student who, you know, kind of like a FAQ page, like, I don't know how to do this. Here's a video on how to do that. Um, right then and there. I, I do love doing the, um, the live sessions as well, but I'll Mm -hmm. usually record them so that if I need to reference it again for another student, they can access it there too. Great. And, and all of that, I'm assuming from what you're describing is all there in Canvas so that people can, so that students can go back and look if they have yes. questions. Yeah, um, exactly. And, and, and what did you, what did you find in terms of the, the structure of the curriculum and, and specific tasks? Do you, do you assign um, assignments to students that they have to complete and submit to you via Canvas so that you, um, so that you can get a sense that they are learning and engaged? 
Yeah. So I provide for them daily agendas of the things that they need to get done. And within those daily agendas, everything is hyperlinked right then and there. Because again, if a student can't find it within three seconds, they're not going to do it. You have to make it very laid out for them. And so they go in there, they see what they need to do. And then I always have some kind of uh, formative assessment throughout. One of the issues that I found, and even in my own experience of having taken online classes, is if if the, you know, quote-unquote formative assessment is just kind of knowledge regurgitation, people will just Google the answers. And so when you have kind of those check-ins or exit tickets or whatever you want to call them to kind of assess where the students are at, I always try to make them even more application-based than in the classroom because I know the kids are just going to Google answers. So um, making a lot of connections to their personal lives. I mean, especially in business right now, I mean, we have so much going on with the economy, with the stock market, with the ramifications of this virus. You know, how is it affecting business? How is it affecting individual lives? And so if you can take whatever you're teaching, find a connection to the student's life and then have them answer that as opposed to just reading something and answering questions, they're not going to actually do that. Let's be honest. So finding a way for them to apply it to their own lives is going to, it's better teaching anyway, I think, to do that, but then also helps ensure that the students are actually really engaged in learning as opposed to just regurgitation of Google answers. Right. So, so in our conversation so far, you've, you've mentioned several specific tools or online platforms. You mentioned um, the Canvas LMS that you use. Uh, you mentioned Google Drive for storing video files, et cetera. And then um, the possibly using a private YouTube channel where you upload videos. Um, are there other specific tools or, or um, online platforms that you would recommend that teachers kind of investigate if they're looking to, you know, now that teachers are having to move to, to remote teaching and learning? Um, yeah, so I make screencasts. I have a Mac at home. So I'm, I use the program called ScreenFlow to make screencasts. It's not free, but I really, really love that program um, to make screencasts and videos in general. Um, but you can also, there's a, a Google plugin or Chrome plugin called Screencastify, and that one's free. And I do believe they have the, uh, they have some of the pro things available for teachers right now for free. So that's a great one. Um, let's see. I use like Padlet and stuff for kind of more of the discussions. But a lot of those I just do within Canvas. Gotcha. It's, yeah. Um, so, so both in your classroom now, or, you know, I'm assuming that your, your schools are probably closed since you're in Illinois, um, yeah. both, both in your classroom now and when you were doing the teaching online, I'm curious about the curriculum and, and, um, how you structured and, and designed your curriculum. Do you use a textbook for, for your current classes or do you, um, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. So for, um, Let's see. For intro to business, I do have a textbook, but a lot of what I do is it's mostly project based. Uh, so I, I have the students do projects, 
primarily in that course. Um, my Python we and web design, I use CodeHS for that, and I guide them through that curriculum. So there's no textbook for that. And then personal finance, I use a lot of the NGPF curriculum, but a lot of it is kind of my own design as well. I'm not really the type that likes to use a canned curriculum. I like to take resources available and really make it my own, like a lot. So mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. primarily what I do, but I still do the same format of the daily agendas linked out to what they need to do. And then even when we're in class doing, you know, live activities, I still have it all documented right there to make it easy for students when they're out of town or they're sick, they see exactly what we've done. So that's why this transitioning to online was really easy for me because I was already doing that. You you and, were already doing that in cam, Canvas? Yep, every day. And okay. so it made it really, really easy to transfer to online. I just had to adjust the uh, activities to not be able to be done in the classroom. And um, that's one thing too. It's This is a great learning opportunity for all teachers, I think, because you have to really think outside the box and say, you know, how can I do this activity that primarily would have been done face to face in the classroom? How can I meet the same objectives in an online environment? And the tools are there. They've been there for a while. We just haven't really harnessed them. So I think this is a really, really great opportunity to have a lot of growth in education and, and kind of take advantage of some of the resources we've had available and now out of necessity, we use them. Sure. And so what has been the response in the last um, week or two with your own students? Um, I'm assuming that you've now moved to um, online and are you meeting, are you, can you tell us a little bit about how you're handling that? Are you doing a, a, a daily um, Zoom or Google Hangout um, outside of what you've already described with the daily agenda? How's that working for you? And 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 more importantly, well, part of you know this is kind of a second question. How how are your students uh, responding to this? Um, so they're responding well. I you know I kind of was hesitant at first. I was worried the students weren't going to do anything, and you know I wasn't really sure. But um, parents have been super supportive. Um, honestly, my submission of assignments has been about the same as it was prior to all of this, um, give or take two submissions, which I've been very, very surprised by that, but also pleasantly surprised. I do offer um, about three days a week. So, I mean, it's only been a week and a day, but yeah. I've offered uh, three times where I'm in a Zoom room, kind of like an office hour to have students come in. And I've had a few students utilize it. Most of my communication, though, has been through email and through sending videos. And um, like I said, I do love sending the videos. I think it makes it more personable. But I've also, just like a caveat with that, though, is I would never send a video that's longer than three minutes because the students won't watch it. If they see the little bar on the bottom and it's longer than three minutes, that's kind of the sweet spot. So keep it short and... Um, and the engagement, though, has been great. I've and I get emails from students, um, you know, wanting them, wanting me to walk through like Python problems with them, and it's been really positive. I think that's great. And and what's kind of the what's kind of the emotions of your students? Are they are they holding up okay? 
Yeah, I think so. You know, I think um, with high schoolers, some of them might look like adults or act like it and they think they are, but I really think, you know, at the end of the day, they're, they're not, I mean, their brains still aren't fully developed. And, you know, I think they're just as nervous and scared as everybody else is. And so we have an opportunity to kind of provide some stability in their lives through their schooling. And, um, the more positive we can be with them, I think the more positive they are. And, um, yeah, overall they've been really great. I, I try to send them positive messages every, every day or every other day or so. And the response has been great. 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 And it definitely sounds like you're, you're adding structure from the way that you're describing your, your remote teaching. So, um, I wanted to ask, have you, have you used our virtual business simulations, um, in any of your classrooms during your teaching career? Yeah, I used them, uh, when I was teaching in Hawaii. So it's been a while, but yeah, I did. And, and what was that, um, experience like for you? Um, it was great. We kind of used it as a capstone. Um, it was a grocery store. Mm-hmm. So we kind of used it as a capstone at the end of the course to kind of solidify everything that that we had been doing and set up kind of a competitive environment. And it was super fun. The kids loved it. That's great. Um, have you have you considered using it now that you're going to be doing more online um, teaching? Yeah, I actually really have. I looked into using, um, uh, I want to say, at the end of last school year, and. Um, was trying to like, cause I have to, anything that I use, I have to show how it fits in the curriculum. So I was actually in the process of doing that with you guys. But now that we've kind of been thrown into the online, I'm hoping to get all that approved so that I could use some more of the simulations. Cause I think again, anything that can bring the kids some normalcy, I think is good for them. And, and I think simulations is a great way to kind of help them forget about what's going on in the world, but also learn at the same time. Right, right. Um, and I was curious, are, were you involved at all in your school's um, uh, CTSOs, DECA, or FCCLA, BPA, or, or any of those organizations? No, we actually don't have one at our school. Uh, we are currently in the process of getting one of them approved. I'm not sure which one they're looking at. It's between FBLA and DECA, though, right. right now. So we're hoping to get that started. We have a really strong FFA program at our school, so we're hoping to kind of um, work with them to get FBLA or DECA as well. Gotcha. Um, well, that's all the questions I had. I wondered if you had any final words of wisdom for uh, other high school business teachers who are making this kind of sudden transition to remote teaching and learning. Um. I, I think just, you know, be positive. Our students, um, you know, they kind of look to us to see how to react to things. So I think just being positive and helpful. Um, remember in the online setting that less is more. Um, I think sometimes we think, oh, if we throw a bunch of readings on there, you know, that'll make it filled up. And, and we don't want to fill their time. But instead, have have less but very meaningful content goes a lot further than having more content online. Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Tasha Allred, who teaches at Burlington Central High School in Burlington, Illinois. 
Tasha, thanks for doing this interview. Thanks so much.